Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise your Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Those of you that are standing, you may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your revelations. Thank you, Father, for you do not keep hidden from your children the mysteries of heaven. You reveal it to those that seek you, those that diligently seek your face. We thank you because you have blessed us with people in this house that not only have a passion and hunger for you, but people who have availed themselves to receive the things that you want to reveal to us. And so we praise you. We praise you because not only do we have a rich past, but we have a glorious future. God, what lies before, oh God, is so far more glorious than what we've experienced thus far. And so we use our past experiences as a launching pad, oh God, that would, that would thrust us into the greater things that you haven't reserved for those who love you and for those who are faithful to you. Hallelujah, we thank you. We thank you this morning, oh God. And uh, as we sing these songs of worship unto you, now we say, God, we need to hear from you. We need a word from you. If we don't hear from you, what shall we do? Where shall we go? What direction shall we take? God, we need to hear from you. And so speak to us this morning. I recognize that I'm just a jar of clay. It is your anointing, it is your power, it is your word that matters in this room. And so I pray right now and I humble myself before you that I will be just a useful, surrendered vessel. God, that you would speak not only to your people, you would speak to me because I need to hear from you this morning. And so I just praise you for the things that you've done up to this moment, for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. We want to release our children from the ages of four to 12. We're gonna keep our nursery here in the room uh, this morning only. Now, if for some reason a parent, uh, uh, an infant gets a little fidgety, feel free, there is a room on my left hand, all the way in the back, it's called the hospitality room. You can feel free to use that this morning if you need to take your child there or even feed them. Um, feel free to do that, amen. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Vanessa, so what was it? Uh, banners. She was talking about banners, right? She was saying, yesterday we had a glorious gathering. Our worship team, amen, they met at our house. And we just had a time of just spontaneous worship, nothing planned, nothing scheduled. Josh felt led to just get the worship team together and, and just have a time of bonding. And so we just started worshiping God with Jay and sharing our experiences, what God was doing. And, 
during one of the songs, I don't know if it's this one, but I received a similar revelation. I saw instead of banners, I saw strings. There was strings, similar to what uh, Sister Karen saw Sunday. She saw rivers coming. I saw streams, and, 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 and as those streams were coming down, they, they all had like a, a different banner. One of them said strings of healing, strings of forgiveness. Vanessa's talking about banners of healing and forgiveness. And so God was revealing that to us yesterday, even as we were in our home. And so God, folks, God is doing something great, man. God is moving. And so the only way that you could keep up with what God is doing, you got to be in motion also. You got to be seeking. You got to be praying. You got to be desiring. You got to be hungering. If you sit back and just become a spectator, trust me, in the midst of God's move, you will be frustrated, depressed, void, empty, unsatisfied. That's right. Now, if you decide to move as God is moving, then you will receive the things that God has reserved for those who love him. And so I challenge everyone in this congregation, do not wait for someone else. Move as God moves. If there's prayer, move to prayer. If God calls us to the altar, move and come to the altar. If God is calling us to fast, move to fast. If God is calling us to gather on times that are not the norm, if he's calling you to be a part of cottage prayer, move to the cottage prayer. Move, 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 and, and get engaged, get involved. Because as you begin to move, then you fall into the wave, the move of God. And you start to look beyond the natural, and you start to experience and see the supernatural. And God is revealing himself in many ways and to many people. But only those who have, who have eyes will see, and only those who have ears will hear the things that wants, God wants to convey to us. So I challenge you, move. I spoke last week about us being involved, engaged, about us not having to wait for someone to motivate us or to push us to do something, but us recognizing that God has given a call to every one of us. The first call that God gave us is the call unto salvation. How many people are saved here? How many people have responded to that call? Amen. You know that you're saved. You know that you know that you're saved. Amen. We responded. But then after that, he gave each and every one of us a unique calling. Or better yet, he gave us a second general calling. That was the calling to go and make disciples. And then on top of that, he's given us unique callings, giftings, abilities. And so we got to use that for the kingdom of God. And as we engage in what God has called us to do, then we will begin to see beyond the visible. We get caught up in the visible now, trust me, it's not pretty. I mean, you see what's going on in society, you see what's going on all around us. It could be depressing, it could be gloomy, it could be hopeless, but if we begin to see things from God's perspective, then we will realize that God has something glorious. In the midst of everything that's happening, God is about to do something glorious. And if you're part of the church of Jesus Christ, amen, then you're part of that team that God has selected so that through you he can manifest his glory to this world. Amen? amen. Now, today, I certainly want to get into the message that I was going to preach last Sunday, unless the Lord <laughs> does something different. 
Amen. Now, I want you to understand when God changes a message, it's not that the message that I had was not from God. Sometimes he causes us to prepare to do something. And then so that we would know that he's sovereign, he'll throw us a curveball and he will switch. And, and so we, we, we got to be flexible to that. Amen. And so that's what God did last Sunday. Hopefully he'll let me preach some of what I prepared or what he gave me. If not, then we'll go with the flow. Amen. But we have been talking about Jeremiah for the last few messages that I preach, right? Talking about Jeremiah's call, talking about Jeremiah's uh, resistance to the call, Jeremiah's fears, Jeremiah's excuses. And it's easy for us to criticize Jeremiah for his resistance, but Jeremiah's call was not a pretty call, meaning what God called him to do, man, if God was to call people to do what Jeremiah was called to do, I would love to know how many would be willing to respond. Because what God called Jeremiah to do was to be a prophet to his nation. And he said, I'm going to put my word in your mouth, and you're going to speak the word that I give you, even though they're not going to listen, they're not going to hear, they're, they're going to continue to be stubborn and rebellious, and ultimately, I'm going to cast my judgments upon them. I'm going to disperse them. But still, I want you to preach to them and speak to them. I tell you one thing, with all due respect, if God called me to do that today, I don't know how I would react. Because even if I got a few of you in this room that are actually listening, at least I got an, an, a, a, someone that's listening to what God wants to say. Jeremiah had no one that wanted to listen to what he had to say. And yet he had to embark in this ministry. So it was not one of those ministries that people would look forward to. Uh, embracing, but that was his call. Now today I want to speak about Joshua, who's another man that was called to fulfill a difficult task. How many know that when God calls us, he's not going to call you to do something that's easy to you? God's calling always requires for you to acknowledge, I don't have what it takes. I fall way short. And that's not excuses, that's just recognizing our realities. That's just recognizing our, our, our shortfallings. We don't have what it takes. Even as we were singing this morning, I'm going to give you my best. I was thinking yesterday, even our best is not good enough. Even our best is not good enough. Because it doesn't meet up to the standard. And so that's why God had to send Jesus so that he could compensate for what we lack. Amen. And so when we give God our best, the only thing that we have, Jesus Amen. Through his righteousness and through his, through his grace. Amen. He compensates for what we lack. Amen. David understood the secret. I was sharing that with the worship team yesterday. David understood the secret. That's why he became one of the most powerful worshipers that the Bible has ever written about. As a matter of fact, with all the people and all the tabernacles that God gave instructions for people to build for his, for, for his presence to dwell, the only tabernacle that God said will be restored in this end time is the tabernacle of David. Not the one from Moses, not the tabernacle that Solomon built, not none of those other tabernacles, not what Abraham built, not what Isaac built, none of those, even though they were built for God, but God said, the only tabernacle that I'm going to restore in this end time is the tabernacle of David. Why? Because David recognized a secret. He recognized a truth. He realized that no matter how much he can give to God, he still was not qualified. 
And so all that would cause him to do would be to run to God and say, God, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. God, God, uh, erase my sins. God, don't, don't reject me. Don't cast me away. So David discovered the secret to giving God our best is for us to come before God with the only thing that he will not reject, which is a contrite and a humble spirit and a contrite and humble heart. Meaning I recognize that even giving God my best is not good enough and so I run to the mercy seat and I say, God, oh God, I need you, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And when we recognize that, then that becomes an offering that is pleasing and acceptable to God. And so Joshua's call he also finds that he's lacking. But what made these men accomplish great things for God was that fact, the fact that they understood that they didn't have in and of themselves what it takes. But instead of running away from the call, they ran to God. See, none of us here really have what it takes for us to be able to fulfill the plan that God has for our lives. We don't have it in and of ourselves. There's no studies that you could have done. There's no accomplishments that you could have attained. There's no seminaries or universities or or degrees that you could have attained that would equip you and prepare you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Amen. There's no education that you could have attained that could prepare you fully for what God has called you to do. The only one that can prepare you, the only one that can qualify you is when you recognize what you lack and you run to the one who's calling you and you say, God, though I don't have what it takes, but I know you can qualify. Qualify me. And that's what these men recognize. They didn't have what it takes, but they would run to God. And how did, do we know they ran to God? Because they obeyed. They obeyed. Though they were not sure how they were going to do it, but they obeyed. Obedience is key. Obedience is key if we're going to accomplish what God has planned for our lives. And, and I want to share a few things, a few principles from Joshua. The book of Joshua is known as a book of new beginnings. Though it's filled with a lot of slaughter and wars and blood and so many things that you read in the book of Joshua that are not necessarily attractive, but the book of Joshua is known as the book of new beginnings. It was a new beginning for the people of Israel, but it also serves for us because there's many believers today that they need a new beginning. Hallelujah. Amen. There are many believers in the house of God that have fallen into a rut or have settled for something far less than what God has planned for their lives. And they become comfortable, amen, in what they uh, have attained thus far and have stopped pursuing the greater things that God has reserved for us. And so we need, in many ways, to understand that God wants to do something new and he wants to start us in a path of a new beginning. And that's why the book of Joshua is as relevant to us today as it was to the people of Israel back in the day. After wandering 40 years in the wilderness, Israel had claimed their inheritance and they had enjoyed the blessings of the land that God had prepared for them. And that's really what God wants for us. 
He has a life and he has an inheritance that he's prepared for us. And just like Joshua, through his obedience, he was able to lead the people of Israel in, con in conquest. And they were able to conquer, amen, seven kings that were embedded in that land. Seven kings that were not only powerful, but that were skilled in war and in battle. Seven kings who hated God, the God of Israel. They were pagan worshipers. And so in order for Joshua to go in and, and conquer that land, he had to obey God. He had to put his trust in God. And I want to tell you something. There's, there's territory that God has placed before us that he has given us, amen, the command for us to conquer. There's territories and there's people that God has placed in our path and God is commissioning us, amen, to go and do warfare and do battle and destroy the principalities that are holding these people in bondage. There's people in your family that God has given you the mandate for you, amen, to go and conquer, amen, conquer that devil, conquer those demons, conquer those powers that are maintaining your family still bound, amen, in sin, amen, and God is given you the opportunity and God has given you the challenge and it is our responsibility to obey God and do what God has called us to do. It is our responsibility to engage in spiritual warfare. You can't fight this battle with weapons that are carnal. You got to get on your knees and pray on a daily basis. You got to get hold of the promises of God. You got to declare the promises of God over your love save, or your lost loved ones. You got you to speak salvation into their lives. You got to, every time you get an opportunity, you got to minister a Amen. The word of God, the truth of God into their lives. Because that's our territory. There's a community that God has given us. God didn't place this beautiful building here so we could come and gather Sunday and have a good service. God placed this building here so that from this building, amen, we would be commissioned to go out and transform and conquer this territory for the kingdom of God. And as I said last week, we don't need to wait for anyone to organize anything so that we can go and conquer. God is calling us, amen, you have the mandate individually to go and make disciples, to go and preach the gospel. I don't need for Brother Johnny to organize evangelism for me to go evangelize. I don't need for Sister, Sister Elder, Elder uh, uh, Johnny, amen, to organize an outreach so that I could go and do some outreach. No, God has given me the commission. Sometimes we rely on these corporate, corporate ministries so that then we could get engaged and do something for God. And if the ministry is not doing anything, or if there's a season like now in the winter where normally we don't do outreach, we don't go out there to the streets, then we don't do anything because we're simply using these ministries as crutches. God has called every one of us as individuals, and it is your duty. You could blame the church. You could blame the pastor. You could complain. No matter where you go, you're going to have the same complaints because it's not about the church and it's not about the pastor and it's not about people not being engaged or doing something organized. It's about you. You've gotten lazy. And God is saying we have to, in other words, God's given us a call individually. We have to obey that call. We have to respond to that call and we have to move. Amen. If we're going to conquer, Joshua went before Israel. Jesus goes before us. In other words, the territory that he's telling us to conquer, he's already prepared that for our conquest. <laughs> it's ready. 
All is waiting for us to do, to do what God is calling us to do. It's prepared. Amen. God has given us every spiritual blessing. He's blessed us with spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1.3. Amen. So that we can do. Not so that we can have blessings. Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, I'm gifted. No, no. He's given us spiritual blessings so that we can go out there and conquer and conquest. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, from the chapter 3 of Exodus all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 34, the Bible focuses his attention on the ministry of one man, Moses. God had chosen Moses to lead the nation of Israel. But the time had come for Moses to move on. Now, someone said, God will always bury his workers, but the work goes on. Meaning, there's a time when the worker that started the work will no longer be there. But God is counting for Joshua's to pick up the work because they understand that the work is far greater than the, than, than the minister. Amen. Amen. And so my question this morning, in this ministry, I, do, I, I compare us humbly, Pastor Margie and I, to the Moses. There will come a time. Now, let me tell you something. Don't get yourself all hyped up because our time to die is not yet. We ain't going nowhere yet. And don't even think that we're going to retire because we don't believe in retirement. We believe in, we believe in refiring. There's no retirement for the people that have been saved and are called by God. Now, will God transition us maybe into another area of ministry as we get younger? Possibly, but we will never retire because the man and woman of God are not thinking about retirement. We're thinking about there's a great work to be done. There's a little bit of time to do that work. And so we got to be engaged and we got to keep our hand on the plow for as long as God has us in this earth. But when the time comes for us to move or for God to move us, question is, are there any Joshua's in this house? Now, before you answer that, let me help you understand some of the stages that Joshua went through before God could entrust him into the place of leadership. Because I believe this room is full of potential. I've said it before, there's pastors here, there's evangelists, there's missionaries. There might be some apostles, as long as it's not crackerjack apostles. Remember last week I said some, some of the apostles today, they got their apostolate from crackerjack apostles. Everybody's an apostle today, everybody's a prophet. And you look at their lives, and they, they don't have the scars of, of an apostle. Paul says, I carry in my flesh the scars of apostleship, meaning I pay the price. I didn't get this title from a crackerjack box. I didn't get it from someone that I had to pay $150 so they could give me a credential. No, I paid a price, and it, I carry the scars on my body that proves my apostleship. And a lot of times we want precisions, amen, of notoriety, precisions, that, that are on the limelight, but we don't want to go through the phases and through the process. Remember what I spoke? God is shifting us into new seasons. Those new seasons will demand of us to accept changes. And for the most part, we do not like change. But if we're going to get to what God has called us to do, we have to go with the new seasons, and we have to, amen, get accustomed to the changes. And changes will always make you uncomfortable. 
Number one, the first phase to great leadership in the life of Joshua. And I'm gonna read a few verses from chapter one, but I wanna just give you some of the first phases, some of the phases that led this man to this great precision of leadership. You know that Joshua became a greater leader than Moses. See, when a man of God or a woman of God is called into leadership, they understand that the responsibility of leading does not only fall on their shoulders, but it is their responsibility to equip others to help them carry the load and ultimately to take over the load. But a true man and woman of God always prays and always seeks that those whom God has placed to serve us now, when they get to that place, they would do even greater things than what we've ever done. They would move in a greater anointing than what we've ever moved in. Because that's really the true man and woman of God. You prepare people, amen, so that they can do greater things than you've ever done. That's the sign of a true man of God. True man and true woman of God, they don't try to keep people suppressed or try to keep people, amen. No, no, you prepare people so that they can accomplish. That's why every time I see Josh leading this worship, where did this worship team start? I was the worship leader and I was the pastor 24 years ago. That's where it all started. It was birth here. But as I see this young man doing what he does now, I said, oh, wow. That's, that's my dream. It was that God would raise up a leader in this house that would take this worship team to a greater level than I ever took it. And I say that this morning, not to make Josh head grow so that it don't fit through the doors when we finish service. I say that this morning because I know he's humble. And I know he understands and he's, he's embraced this and he's, been, he's gone through these processes that I'm going to talk about so that God can now entrust him to this place of leadership where he's at. And I don't feel like, I mean, the, the, the more intense and the more excellence that I see in this worship team, the more proud I feel because I say, wow, everything that we invested was not in vain. Every little nugget that we deposited, now we're starting to see the fruits of that. Because that's really what you want as a man of God. You don't feel intimidated when you see a younger generation, God raising them up with a greater anointing. No, you celebrate that. When you're called, you celebrate. Because we're all going to go through this phase and through this process. And if you ever get stuck on yourself and you stop raising the next generation to, be, to do greater things than you did, then guess what? You are the death of a ministry. I would dare to say, Cybert almost died. Because there were people that came in here, and I don't know any one of them. I don't know any one of them. But all, all they were worried was about themselves. And that's why Cybert almost died. Cybert is alive today, and I believe that Cybert will continue to live for many years to come. Because that, that's done with. We're not here. This is not about me. This kingdom is far greater than me. 
This is not about me trying to keep enough people here and entertain them enough and, and maintain them until they die. No, this is about me, amen, seeing the, 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 the anointing being transmitted from generation to generation so that we know that this church, if Christ doesn't come in 20, 30, 40 years, this church will still be a light in this community and it will be shining the light of Christ and it will be, amen, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ and it will be relevant, amen, to the needs of this community because God has placed people here that understand that this ministry is greater than us because this is a kingdom and the only one that's great in the kingdom is the king we're all servants and so I'm not called here to maintain people I'm not called here to keep you happy. I'm called here to challenge you. I'm called here, amen, to let you know that God has a better plan for your life than what you've settled for. It's time for us to shake ourselves out of our slumber, amen, and strive and seek the greater things that God has. And in order for us to do that, we have to get engaged spiritually, but we also have to get engaged physically. I'm getting hot and winded now. So, before he became, now, understand, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. What do prophets do? Speak. Speak. God says, I'm going to put my word in your mouth. And as I said last Sunday, then God extended his hand, and he touched Jeremiah's mouth, and he says, you go and speak. He was a prophet. Joshua's call is different. Joshua's called to be a general and a soldier. So while Jeremiah is called to speak, Josh is called to do. Some God calls to speak, others God will call to do. And so the important thing is you defining, understanding what is the calling that God has for your life. Do not try to sing if you can't sing. Save it for when you sing among the congregation. Don't try to be a worship leader, amen, when you can't even lead your family in worship at home. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Don't try to be a preacher to others and at home you're acting like a heathen. You want to speak holy, amen, in public, but at home, from that same fountain that praises God, there's curses that come out and vile things that come out. And you address your children or your spouses, amen, in an aggressive and violent way. You cannot do that. When God is calling you, amen, your call, first of all, it has to pass the test of your family. Amen. That's why I can stand up here every Sunday or whenever God places me up here and I can stand boldly and confident because I know that if every one of you walked out right now and said, well, you know, we're leaving that church. That pastor ain't good for nothing. I know I got a congregation right now. Let me see. One, two, three. Plus their spouses, four, five, six. Plus three grandkids, seven, eight, nine. And my wife and I, 11. I got a congregation of 11. And those folks will be cheering me and, and accepting the word that God gives me because I've proven myself to them, not here, at home. We got too many preachers today and too many people with titles today. They're saving the world and they're losing their homes. Too many. So we got we to understand there's phases. 
There's seasons, there's changes, there's things that God expects of us before he can entrust us with the greater things. The first thing that Josh was, Joshua was a slave. He was born into slavery. He was born in Egypt. As a matter of fact, his name was Hosea or Josea, spelled H-O-S-E-A. That was his name. That name means salvation. That was the name that his parents gave him. But then later on, Moses changed his name to Joshua. The name Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. So though he was born a slave, he's giving the name of a savior. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew form, the name Joshua becomes the name Joshua, which is the English name that we know for Jesus. So Joshua in the Old Testament and with Israel is a prototype of what Jesus was going to be to us in the New Covenant. Now God chooses a slave to deposit and to place in him such a great calling. But he was a slave. See, some of us were dreaming and we're see, some of us right now, we're envisioning this platform that's gonna be built. And there's people here, oh, I can't wait till I preach from that pulpit. Man, I can't wait till I'm way up here and, and I'm given the opportunity to preach. Or I can't wait to sing from that, from that platform, man, where people, I could be above the people and they could see me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't be aspiring for these things unless you understand, amen, that your first call is to be a servant, a slave. Amen. Joshua was born a slave. What is a slave? One that is under submission. One that doesn't do whatever he or she wants to do, but they do what their master requires of them to do. Now I want you to know, though he calls me friend and he calls me a servant, I don't mind if he calls me a slave. Because if I'm gonna be mastered by someone, let me tell you something. You're going to serve somebody. You're, right now, you are someone's slave. Or you're someone's servant. Whatever word makes you feel better. But you're serving someone. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But I know you got to serve somebody. That was a song way back from my days. <laughs> I know you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But I know you got to serve somebody. Some of you old folks probably remember that. Because we're all born to serve. I know people out there want to think that they, they could run their own lives and they, they, get this, they get deceived into thinking they, but they don't realize, amen, if they're not serving God, you know who's running your life? The devil. Because there's only two masters. God and Satan. And it's either you're serving God or you're serving the devil. So, man, I am honored if God would consider me his slave. Because I know that master will not abuse me. I know that master will not violate me. I know that master will not abuse me. That master will love me. As a matter of fact, that master will gradually move me into the banqueting table. 
and he will allow me to experience what it feels like being a child. And as a matter of fact, he will ultimately call me a child. So I don't mean starting as a slave. We got to understand that if we want to do great things in God, we have to accept the lower. See, some of you got calls to be preachers and, te and teachers and prophets and evangelists, but you haven't cleaned the toilet in this house. You have never volunteered to pick up a mop or to pick up a vacuum, but yet you're thinking of yourself as a preacher and a teacher, and I'm, you know, I got all these giftings, but they're not using me, because you haven't learned to be a slave. You think we started up here? This ministry started when we were eight years old, 10 years old. We'd go into a church, and we would clean toilets, and we'd go downstairs to the boiler room that was always flooded, and we would help our 68-year-old pastor, who was nothing but flesh and bones, carne hueso, flaquito, 68 años. He was 68, but he looked like he was 90. But he would put on his boots all the way up to, to his waist, and he would go down there and start. And back then, there was no pumps. It was, you had a... Hand pump. Hand pump. Yeah, hand pump. <laughs> Take the buckets, go up the stairs, empty it out, go back downstairs. And we, 10-year-old kids... Helping our pastor. That's where it all started. We learned, we learned the beauty of slavery. That's where it all started. Joshua was a slave. Joshua was also a soldier. As a matter of fact, two months after Israel leaves Egypt under the leadership of Moses, an army rises up to destroy them, to do battle and war, the Amalekites. And the Bible says that Moses commanded Joshua to go and lead a battalion of Israelites to fight against the Amalekites. Now Joshua, the Bible says he was skilled in battle and in war. Now we don't know where he got those skills because the Bible is not clear where he learned those skills, but he probably learned them in Egypt. Just like Moses learned leadership in the palace of Pharaoh, though he never, amen, compromised, and he never took a position because he knew that God had a greater calling for him than to take a position in the Egyptian palace, amen. But he, God prepared them in that palace so that he could move out and be the greatest leader that Israel has ever known. The same way Joshua, God prepared them while he was a slave in Egypt, God showed him some things in regards to battle. And he, he, he identified what was his strength. He identified what was his skills, and he sharpened that skill. See, some of us, we know what our skills are, but we don't sharpen them. If you want to preach, you know where you sharpen that? You go to 7th and Hamilton, right by Little Apple IGA, you stand in the corner where people are, there's crowds coming, and you get up there, you don't need a megaphone, just preach. If you want to sing, you know where you start? You go visit a patient at the hospital or go to a nursing home and go sharpen your skills, singing to people that need to hear a song, singing to people that are probably depressed and oppressed by the enemy. People that are probably have given up 
People that have been abandoned by their relatives and have no one to love them, go. Show them the love of Christ and sharpen your giftings. Amen. No, Pastor, but the church ain't got that ministry. The church ain't. So? You don't need the church to have a ministry that goes to nursing homes for you to go to nursing home. I guarantee you, you know someone that's in a nursing home right now, or at least most of you. I guarantee you there's been at some point in your life where someone has fallen in the hospital that you know. What have you done? Go sharpen your skills. No, we're just waiting for, to display them. Here. Joshua learned his skills in Egypt. And he became a skilled soldier. Now, God was preparing him through that first conquest of the Amalekites. This rookie soldier conquers an army that was skilled in war and in battle, that had all the weapons that an army can have. God uses this rookie soldier to conquer them. And this guy wasn't realizing that this was all part of the phase that God was using him to take him to the place of conquering and taking over the land that God has promised his people. You see, everything that happens in your life, it happens with a purpose, folks. Every stage in your life, even those things that you don't want to remember because they were, they were dark, they were ugly, God allowed them to come into your life for the purpose of preparing you for something great. The problem with some of us is that we're still remembering the darkness of our past and not that's not allowing us to see the great things that God has reserved for us now and in our future. And so we're still stuck in the past. God is saying, why don't you just praise me because I delivered you from your past. You could have died in your past. I let you go through that, but I brought you through it. And so I want you to open up your eyes and I want you to strive for the greater things that I have in store for you. Amen. And go in motion with God. Move with God. Hallelujah. He's giving you a testimony. Well, pastor, you don't know. I was... I was I was abused when I was a child. Well, God is giving you a testimony. It's not that God wanted you to be abused, but if he allowed that to happen in your life, amen, he wants to take that which the devil intended to destroy you and use it so that now you can go and rescue someone that's probably at the verge of going through what you went through and even worse. And so everything that happens in our lives, God allows it to prepare us for a greater thing. Joshua was not only a slave in Egypt, but he became a servant of God. And he started to prove his servanthood by being a servant to the man of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when they were in the wilderness, there was a tent that Moses pitched. And that tent was where he would go and meet with God, Moses himself. And Joshua was commanded and commissioned by Moses to stay on guard, guarding that tent. So he learned, he learned to be a servant to God by serving the man of God. He was there when Moses met with the 70 elders. He was there when Moses was trying to, to deal with the situations of it. He was there. He was clinging I've heard people say, Pastor, I want you to mentor me. So hang on. Come follow. People want you to mentor them, but they want you to call them and make appointments and, you, and, and, and set up a date and say, man, you want, 
I never call my pastor and say, Pastor, uh, I, would love for you to ma- I would love for you to take a day during the week and sit down and teach me. Teach me the ropes. No, no. All I did was I followed my pastor. You're going to the hospital visit? I want to go with you. You're going to do something? I want to go with you. I was always on my pastor's coattails because that's a sign of someone that really wants and honors the anointing of the people that God has placed to lead you in your life. Amen. And so he, he understood this principle. And so he was there with Moses. Joshua was a spy. Now, he wasn't a spy like what we know today. People always spying and not minding their business so they can put something on Facebook. Amen. It's not the kind of spy that he was. <laughs> he understood when God said, I want you to go in, and, and the man of God gave him the order, I want you to go and survey the land. He was willing to go and Being a spy, meaning that he was willing to risk his own life so long as it was to obey what God was instructing him to do through the man that God had placed in his life. Some of the things I asked of you guys are not even life-threatening. And there's people that, no matter what you ask of them, it's almost like you got to beg. Sometimes Pastor Margie and I feel like we got to beg people to do something. This man, he didn't have to be begged. Whenever the man of God gave him an order, he was willing, even at the risk of his own life, he was willing to do it. So what's the purpose of this? These are stages and phases that this man of God went through, and he graduated from each one of them in order for him to get to Joshua chapter 1, which is when Moses dies, now God lifts him up and deposits an anointing on him so that he can lead the people to where Moses was not going to be able to lead them. I want you to know, this church is going places where I won't live long enough to lead. I could only lead this church to the place where God allows me to. But if Christ has not come, there's places and there's great things that God has in store for this congregation that someone is going to have to rise up to lead them in that greater conquest. And so he learned these things. He was a spy. And once, once he was able to graduate from all these things, now God qualified him to be a successor to Moses. Amen. And so, Jeremiah, I'm sorry, uh, Joshua chapter 1. Let's just read a few verses. And I'm almost done. I just wanted to... If, if, if I don't say anything else, I want you to understand. These are, these are the things I want you to understand today. God has a greater calling for you. God has a greater purpose for your life than what you've settled for. God has equipped you. He's anointed you. He's empowered you. He's gifted you to do great and mighty things in his kingdom. Don't settle for where you're at now. Strive for the greater things. But in order for you to strive for those greatest things, you have to submit yourself to God's process. You can't try to find a shortcut to get to where God wants to take you. No, you have to follow the process, meaning you have to start from, if you try to climb a 20-step ladder, avoiding the first five or six steps, unless you're a ninja, unless you're a ninja, you're quickly going to discover that you won't even be able to climb the next step 
because you're going to break a foot, you're going to break a leg, you're going to break an arm. It would be stupid of me, with all due respect, with this blessed body, and at this magnificent age, for me to try to climb 20 steps by shortcutting and avoiding the first five or six. As a matter of fact, it would be foolish to some of you that are younger and have probably a more fit body to do it. Brains and wisdom and a little bit of common sense tells you that if you want to get to the 20th step, you got to start with the first one. So if you want to get to where God is calling you and where you know that God has called you to get to, you got to start from the first step. Meaning, be willing to serve. Even if you feel like a slave, I'm honored to be a slave in the kingdom. Be willing to do war. Be willing to do battle. Fight. Don't give up so easily. Don't quit. Be a soldier. To be a soldier in the army of the Lord. I don't know the rest of the song, but. So, not only that, but you have to be willing to do things that might come at a cost to you. Meaning, you're going to be put in positions where you're going to feel maybe not your physical life is at risk, but you're going to feel something about you. You're going to have to give up, it's going to cost you something. So if you don't understand, if you don't get anything else from this message, understand this. Once you go through those processes, once you submit yourself to the changes that God wants to put you through, then he will move you into this new season of glory, into this new season of anointing, into this new season of ministry, into this new season of effectiveness, of fruitfulness. But you've got to go through the process. Hallelujah. What did we say we're going to read? Josh chapter 1, verse 1, let's start with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now let me tell you something. I, I can't even fathom what butterflies and nerves got a hold of Joshua when he got this call. First of, all, is a ch First of all, he's got to follow the footsteps of the only leader that Israel had known for 40 years. He has seen how this leader had been disrespected. He has seen how this leader had been turned on. He has seen how people even desire for him to die. Even his own, his own sister and brother turned on him at one point. He has seen the great things that God had done through Moses, supernatural miracles and occurrences and, 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 and wonders what happened through, through, through Moses, God doing these great things through Moses, signs and wonders. And now God tells him, okay, Moses is dead. See, <laughs> sometimes we use either people or things as crutches. And when God takes it away, then we feel like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And I said last Sunday, there's times and there's things that God is going to have to strip away from some of us if we're going to get to that place that God has called us to be. 
because we've been stubborn, we've been disobedient, we've been knuckleheads, we've been hard-headed, amen. We keep trying to do things our way, and then we rely on other people as crutches. We'll use people as an excuse as to why we're not doing nothing for the Lord. It's Johnny's fault, it's Pastor's fault, it's Elder Joey's fault, it's everybody's fault but mine, amen. Don't you understand that every time you point at someone, there's four or five fingers that are pointing at you, you ain't doing nothing, not because anyone else is not doing nothing. You're not doing nothing because you are simply Cabeciduro. Cabeza dura. Hard. Cabeza head. Dura, hard. Huh? Yeah. Arise. In other words, get into motion. Get into action. It's not only, it's not only, listen, don't, don't get, this is not a time for you to get depressed because the leader's dead. This is not a time for you to quit because it's a little, this is a time for you to rise up. Amen. Time for you to rise up and do something. Now, now he wasn't going to be able to blame Moses. Moses was no longer around. Now he had to believe what God had called him to do, and he had to find the motivation within himself to rise up so that he would obey what God is calling him to do. We want people to carry us, you said. You want to say it? Come on, say it, say it, say it. Come on, come on. It's, we're tag teaming here. Get that microphone. Turn that microphone off for a little joy. Folks, those of you that are visiting, this is the way we do stuff here, man. Here. It's like it says, arise. I mean, and a, a lot of us, a lot of us, a lot of us. Just scream it, Papa. So a lot of us, including myself, I mean, we expect for uh, somebody to carry us. It's like taking my son and just carry. And he said, Joshua, he said, arise. How are these people going to go to the other side of the Jordan when he was sitting down and expecting somebody to do it for him? Mm -hmm. No, when God called him, he prepared him. You, uh, you know, with the slavery before, I mean, to be able to ca carry this load and the people of God to the destination, to the promised land. Mm. So we need to arise, do something, do in action. Get involved, get involved. Yeah, Amen. yeah, yeah. And arising takes just for you to believe God. You know that when God tells them arise, God didn't even give them the instructions or the details or the architectural design of or the strategy of how he was going to take over the land. God just tells them, arise and take these people across the Jordan. Doesn't give them the instructions. He walks by faith to do what God is telling him to do. There's times that God is going to ask you to do something and he's not going to reveal it to you clearly, but you have to move by faith. It's like the the story of the big, big black door. This is a story I brought to share with you, and I'll read it. An Arab chief tells the story of a spy who was captured and then sentenced to death by the general in the Persian army. This general had a strange custom of giving condemned criminals a choice between the firing squad or the big black door. As the moment for execution drew near, the spy was brought before the Persian general who asked him the question, okay, how do you want to die? Do you want to die at the hands of the firing squad or would you rather go through the big black door? 
The spy hesitated for a while. He was, it was a difficult decision. Finally, he chose the firing squad. Moments later, the shots rang out, confirming his execution. The general turned to his aide and said, they always prefer the known way rather than the unknown. It is characteristic of people to be afraid of the undefined, of the unknown. Yet we gave him a choice. The aide turns to the general and he says, what lies beyond the big black door? The general tells him freedom. I've known only a few brave enough to take it. You know why some of us are still in bondage in the church? We still can't sleep at night. We're in bondage. We, we still got things that are clinging, soul ties that because we are resisting obeying God. Because we do not want to follow the unknown that God is expecting for us to follow. Because we think that we can manipulate God and tell God, no, unless you give me a straight, clear picture of what is that you want me to do and where you're taking me and what my calling is, I'm not going to do it. And so we rather die spiritually at the hands of the firing squad. What is the firing squad? The devil firing darts of doubts, firing doubts of, 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 of deception, firing doubts of making you feel like you're not worthy, you, 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 you can't do it, amen. And so we accept all of these doubts, firing the doubts of the negative words that were embedded into our lives when we were growing. So the devil keeps firing these darts and these bullets at us and we're dying spiritually because we chose to die, amen, at the hands of the firing squad because we're afraid to step into the unknown. And God is saying, if you're able to step into the unknown, if you release your fears, if you give me your fears and you fall in love with me and you decide to obey me and you move, even though you don't know where I'm taking you, but you do an Abraham number, you will rise up, you will abandon the, what's familiar to you and you will walk, amen, in obedience to me, then you're going to see that you're going to walk in freedom. And all of those things that are afflicting you, your, your, your demons that are afflicting you, your infirmities that are afflicting you, amen, the depression that's afflicting you, frustrations that are afflicting you, you're going to see all those things dissipate in a moment when you step through the door of freedom. Joshua learned this because when God told him to rise, he didn't have a plan. He just told him, go and cross. And guess what? When God told him to cross the Jordan, J the Jordan was at its highest level, meaning it was uncrossable. <laughs> but Joshua had the experience of the Red Sea. And he said, if God did it then, that's enough for me to believe that he'll do it now. I don't know how we're going to take over this land. There's seven kings in there, and there's seven armies that are skilled in battle and in war. They're expert warriors, amen. They're vicious, they're violent, because Joshua had gone into the land at least 40 years before to spy it, and he knew what was in the land. But back then, he saw that there was potential that the people of God, if God goes before them, they could conquer it, but there was 10 demons that also went into the land. I'm talking about 10 spies that were carnal, and they discouraged the people. And they had to walk 40 years around the wilderness when they could have conquered the land two weeks into their journey. But Joshua remember all the things that God had done and those memories of God's miracles and signs and wonders were what allow him to believe that God could do it now. And so he stepped out in faith. He walked in through the big black door, the unknown, amen, because he believed God. God is saying we have to learn to believe God. And not simply just say it. We have to act like we believe. It's hard in this nation for us 
to, to strengthen our faith and to believe because we have so many things that we rely and depend on. We have control of so many things. And it is, it's difficult for us to give up control to God. And it's hard. We, we've, I've heard uh, uh, um, the gentleman from Harrisburg. He runs a well-known pastor from, I think it's Charles Stock. He says he has to leave the country at least three times a year and go do missions in third world countries in order for him to build his faith, strengthen his faith, because he recognizes that in America, people that say they're people of faith, the last thing they rely on is on faith. We get a headache, where's the first thing we run? To the medicine cabinet. We get a diagnosis, we get all bent out of shape, we get all flustered, we get all lose hope. Because we say we have faith, but what we say and what we do are so far apart. And so God is saying, we gotta stop being people of faith. We gotta stop walking in faith. We got to start doing things, even when we're not called to do, even when we're not, when we're not prayed over to do it. You know, now everybody wants to do ministry, but you got to, pastor, you got to anoint me, and you got to announce me to the guy. Man, forget about that. You're already anointed. Just go and do ministry. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. You wear the sneakers, and you wear the T-shirt. Just do it. promoting Michael Jordan's brand, amen, instead of you just going out there and doing what Jesus called you to do, just do it. Hallelujah. If every one of us here learns to walk in faith and step out in faith, and we start to do the little things that God is calling us to do, and therefore, amen, set ourselves up for God to use us greatly, let me tell you something, there will not be an empty seat in this room. As a matter of fact, this room will be so, so overflowing that we're going to have to open up other churches and start getting rid of some of these guys that are sitting here with these great ministries and anointing and callings. And some of you, you're waiting for pastor to tell you, you better start seeking God. Oh, the pastor's got to tell No, I ain't got to tell you nothing. All I, all I can do is confirm whether God is calling you or not or whether God, this is God's time. But you got to start seeking God. Don't wait for the pastor to tell you, okay, it's time. Nah, man, that's not the way it works. If you have a calling, amen, then start to pray and say, God, you know, is this the time? If this is the time, then I want to move. I want to walk out in faith. Even though I don't know what is it that you're called, that, where is it that you're taking me, but I'm willing to step out in faith. Now, don't, don't everybody now go and tell me tomorrow, Pastor, we're leaving the church because we're going to start our ministry. No, I'm just saying, there's a, there's a responsibility that falls on you. You can't just rely on others. There's a relationship that you have to have with God, an intimacy that you have to have with God. That will trust you. Now, I'm going to tell you, read the rest of the verses at home. I, re I was going to read from verse 1 through verse 10. You can read them at home. Take the challenge this morning. Whether God is calling you to speak or whether God is calling you to do, take the challenge. Again, we've said this a thousand times. The best way for you to start housekeeping. Start with housekeeping. Start by serving. Get close to your leaders, those people that God has placed to lead you. Serve. You know? Well, pastor, you know, you got two kids. They can go and cut your grass. But maybe God wants you to go and cut my grass. 
because that's the way for him to prepare you for something greater that he wants to do, and he's testing you. You know that every, every phrase, it was God testing. When he beat the Amalekites, it was a test that God gave him. Oh, Pastor, you, you know, you got a family. Hey, what if God wants you to cook a meal and take it to Pastor Margie who has... Now, don't everybody cook today. We don't need it today. You're two weeks behind. Amen. But start thinking and doing the little things and seek in ways that you can serve the people that God has placed to nurture you. We're not here to lord over you. We're here to nurture you. We're here to feed you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to empower you. We're here to equip you. We're here to send you. That's all we're here for. We're not here to keep you. We don't want to have you here all, all the rest of our minutes. No, we want you to rise up from these benches and go and do, conquer the world for Jesus. Whatever God has called you to go out there and do it. Amen. That's what we're here for, to equip you, not to keep you. We're not trying to keep a crowd and entertain a crowd and trying to build numbers so we can say we have. No, we want to have a church where people feel equipped, where people have developed their relationship with God, intimacy with God, where they don't have to wait for the pastors to say, go and do it. But they get up and they do it on their own. And then they come back bringing the fruit. Let me tell you something. The greatest times of my life have been when I've gone out to the streets and evangelize. I remember as young people, we used to hit the streets in New York and we would evangelize randomly. It wasn't even planned. I said this story before, but some of you are new here and I'm gonna finish with this. But I remember one time we went to this youth activity. When we were coming home, our van broke down in Times Square. Back then, Times Square was not what Times Square is now. Back then, it was completely uh, X-rated movie theaters and X-rated stores and prostitution all over the place, amen. And our van broke down in front of one of these X-rated theaters. Now imagine a bunch of young kids, Christian kids raised up in a Christian home. Now they're stranded in front of an X-rated theater. Oh God, have mercy. The youth leader must have been like, oh my God, <laughs> what are we going to do? We couldn't move. We couldn't go nowhere. So what happened? The youth leader says, oh, this is an opportunity for us to to minister, and we just build an altar right there in front of the X-rated theater. Now, back then, you could, you could do that stuff in New York. Nobody would bother you. And we started singing. We started preaching. We started testifying. All of a sudden, some young kids started speaking in tongues in the street, in Times Square, in front of an X-rated movie theater. Kids baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire, speaking in tongues. Other kids ministering. All of a sudden, the crowd started to gather, and we started to pray, and we started to minister. People started accepting Jesus. Amen. Young people, young kids praying. That's why I say these kids got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God forbid if something happens to them like that now, the way they are. I mean, these kids can't get away from the nasty music. They be listening to this crappy music. I heard some young kids here listen to some crappy music. That I say, how in the world can you listen to that? How could you have that on your iPhone and on your, and on your, and you're listening to that crap and then you're, you're gyrating to that nonsense? We got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Young people, you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Otherwise, the devil has set a trap for you. Yes. Don't you know that what goes into your ear goes to your heart? Yes. See, the only thing we got back then was the Word of God. That's what we got back then. We got it at home. We got it at church. We got it everywhere. <laughs> and so we were filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so though we broke down in front of an X-rated movie theater, all we could do was what we knew. That was worship God. Set up a tent. 
and God moved. And that's one of many stories that we have when we were growing up. God wants to use you. Are you a willing vessel? Are you willing to follow his process? Are you willing to stop whining and complaining about what you, where you're at now and start saying, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And then be proactive and engage yourself and be part of what the body of Christ is doing. Don't stay watching from the sidelines so that then you can sit and criticize and complain and amen. And the only one that's not doing nothing is you. Everybody that's engaged is doing something. Everybody that's engaged is happy, and everybody that's engaged is feeling the presence of God. Everybody that's engaged is getting revelations and visions. Everybody that's engaged is getting in the fire. Amen. And you're sitting on the sidelines complaining about what we're not doing. That's because you ain't doing squat. Do. Get engaged. And you're going to see how God is just going to turn things around. And he's going to start using you mightily. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. And again, I didn't preach the outline, but I praise you for that. I just pray right now that these words, even if it's a fraction of what was said, would be embedded in the hearts of your people. God, if anything that I said came from me, erase it from their memory. Erase it from their memory. Let only what came from you and what comes from you Remain registered, Lord, and let it resonate in their lives. Lord, help us to understand that you're calling us as a church to get engaged. You're calling us as a church to move with your flow. You're calling us as a church to embrace this new season. You're calling us as a church to get out of our comfort zone and accept, oh God, the challenges that you've given us. Oh God, help us to understand that the reason why you're doing that is because you want to do something glorious and mighty, something that's far greater than us as individuals. You want to use us as a corporate body, oh God, to bring about a transformation, not only to this community, to this, to this city, but to the nation and even to the nations of the world, Father. I believe that there's a potential in this room to touch the uttermost parts of the earth, Father. And so I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will use these messages, oh God, and you will quicken our spirit and you will wake us out of our slumber, oh God, and you will stir a fire down in our soul, oh Lord, that like Jeremiah, oh God, is so embedded in his bones that he could not contain it. He said he was not going to speak, he was not going to do what you call him to do, but he could not contain the fire. I pray that that fire would be ignited in every bone in this house, in every person in this house, in every individual that you have called with a ministry and with a purpose in this house, that that fire would ignite Oh God, and it will burn deep down in there, that it will wake them up at night, that it will make them restless, oh God, and let and don't allow them to experience peace until they give in. Until they give in and obey you and follow. That we would understand, oh God, that whatever plans we are pursuing fall far short from the great purposes that you have for our lives. And as we understand that, may we pursue it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.